Welcome back to Episode 5, Season 2 of Retromancer, a monthly podcast of two friends exploring their favorite game, Netrunner. And welcome to the June-July episode, Stephen... Welcome back. I'm glad to have you here with me. Are you here with me? I am here with you, <laughs> Ed. Holy moly. We've both personally had a really busy month, so we won't go into what's been going on, but we're all okay. We're healthy. We may have relocated. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We've gone through yeah. we've actually gone through a significant amount of change while we were participating in a tournament. Yes, the Ashes to Ashes tournament is uh, wrapped up at Swiss rounds, actually. Uh, the postings for the top eight were today, but uh, it's been fun. What Did you have a good time at the tournament, Nathan? I did. It was um, – so there are like – there were some things I didn't like about the tournament, not necessarily not okay. necessarily the fault of the tournament, um, but just like tournaments in general. Um, and it's always a little stressful. But uh, like my absolute favorite part about it was that Almost every single person I played with was a new person who I've never played with before. Um, and they were all super nice. So I got to meet a lot of new players uh, that I hadn't met before. And uh, maybe I'll never play them with again. Uh, a lot of them were East Coasters. Um, but it was great. I got to kind of know more of the community, which was absolutely wonderful. Oh, that's amazing. And I had a very similar experience. I actually... Uh got the privilege of playing the person who's ranked number one right now and get absolutely trashed in my opening games. And it kind of set the tone of the whole tournament. Oh, no. Uh, just, yeah, but it was a blast. They were very kind, and every other game uh, was a lot of fun. And I actually got to meet some people that I'd seen on the green level clearance but never played with before, just because, you know, we all live at different times. Yeah. But I... I didn't mind getting locked into the decks because everyone else is locked into a deck. Like, no one could change to alter what the meta we kind of wanted to. Uh, I certainly went in with a deck that I thought was better than a, <laughs> my corp deck. Uh, and then as the tournament was going on, I just made a deck on the side. It was like, wow, this is really good. Too bad I wasn't a time traveler and brought this one instead. Yeah, so that so the whole um, the whole deck lock in thing. I, I think that is there's some virtues to that. It like I personally have like a lot of anxiety around it because I I can't even sit through an entire day playing the same deck. Like it just like I'll play two games and I'll be like it clearly has these deficiencies that bother me and then they'll just bug me all day. Um, and so if I'm playing with a deck that's been really, really well refined, then it doesn't bother me as much, but, um, that wasn't the case this time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I made some adjustments. We both played uh, similar corp decks. Uh, I, I, did, I just copied your deck. One. Dude, let, let's be honest. I didn't, I didn't like my deck. So I copied your deck. I regretted it. It was a terrible choice. I, I, I should have played it. Too. I should have just played oh. my deck. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I tried to really overcompensate, I think, for Light the Fire. And so I was like, I have to go fast. I have to score agendas. And I never played people that 
were building up rigs, it was just like, all right, cool, inside job. Crap. Okay, I'm going to install another agenda. Wow, you won the side game. I lost that one too. So I, I feel like I, I really should have just been like, you know what? No one's running Light the Fire. What What's this card? I should just build a big honking remote, try to hold out. Yeah, everyone was basically running Deep Dive. Uh, and then maybe some people were playing Light the Fire, but... Um, my deck, my runner deck didn't have deep dive, um, but it did have one light the fire and it was like, it was enough to like bust the remote mid game. So it wasn't like enough to like win the game entirely off of, but at the same time, then they could just reinstall some more defensive tools. And that was fine for me as well, because then I could, you know, at least get some more econ or whatever. One light the fire was enough to bust it when it got out of control, basically. Interesting. And I was playing an as deck and that I've actually had a lot of fun with, but I think that it was really good pre Midnight Sun. It was a Hugh Shook deck that I've been playing a lot of. And then I tried to tweak it by putting Claud in, thinking I would run into more fast advance. Really, I should have slotted Light the Fire. Mm. That was actually the the would have been the better slot. But who you know, you don't know. That's the cool part of kind of going to these tournaments. You you know, people will brew up unique things and uh at least in the Swiss, you don't know the deck lists. Now in the cut, which we'll talk about in a little bit, deck lists are public. So you'll know what your opponent has. I think in this event, you play best of three, which is a little bit different sometimes than other cuts. But at least there's no double elimination. You play your round, you're in or you're out. So you're playing best of three. Um, but wait, you mean like, so three like games as runner or corp or three matchups with runner and corp potentially six games no no you you just are playing three against your opponent but i think you're you're always going to play one runner one corp and then there's going to be a third game okay sure uh, so it just cut if you sweep you you don't have to play that third game if you split then you'll play a third game i see okay interesting uh, yeah uh I think that with the asynchronous nature of the tournament, they didn't necessarily want to do what you traditionally do, which is the double elimination bracket, where if you if you make the cut, you can lose and go into a loser's bracket and still come back to win, you know, or play in the final. Right. That was that was how I got second in a regional was through a loser's bracket. And that's a just I think that's really fun in a single day or like a two day yeah. event where you got the cut the second day. But when you're playing over the course of like we've already played five weeks, you know, do you, can you wait another five to eight weeks <laughs> to play, or do you just want to slam out the rounds and get it done? It's, we're running out of yeah. time too. Midnight Suns. Yeah, I like single too. elimination. I mean, this tournament's been going on for a long time too. It's already five weeks in, so they are they need they they, they need to to wrap it up. Otherwise, the new content's going to release. So um, so speaking of new content, um, one of the interesting things is is we basically started this tournament. I mean, the booster pack had only been out for, like, what? Like, one week? Two weeks, I think? Uh, or was it a month? I think it was more than a month. Wow. Okay, so, like, I just really felt like I didn't have, like, a solid grasp on exactly what the meta was like. I had a, I, I, I had my ideas, and so, you know, I, I, it was, it was a, a good amount of time. But it is really funny now, um, a month later, to kind of see how the meta has evolved um, and advanced even more so compared to what we looked at back then. So I get in and I log in and I play my 
play my weekly game and I'm kind of playing it like this snapshot of the past. Like every everybody's oh, decks cool. like from a month ago, what they thought the best decks were, which are not the decks that people are playing now, which is which is really kind of weird and funny. That is actually a really interesting uh, way to look at it. Like you're sort of, you got a snapshot of what everyone expected it to be. And I think it was, we started late April uh, or early May. So we, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I think Midnight Suns booster pack came out like March. It wasn't really on JDET until the end of March. So yeah, about a month. Jeez. Also, <laughs> you know, I'm probably, I think, playing a little bit more than Definitely. You. You're playing way more than me. Even with what I'm running into, sometimes, like, we, you can have your own warped perception of what the meta is because, like, hey, I'm, I'm living in this one time zone. People in Australia or, like, Asia Pacific or Europe and Africa, they're playing a whole different meta. You mean, like, you're playing with the group that plays at the time you normally play is what you're saying? Yes. I see. So, like, Spicy Sea and Piao, you know, they always play at the same time that we play, but all the other players that I played against are never on at the time that we're playing. Exactly. As I crashed to the bottom of the bracket, I played with more Europeans too, which was... Oh no, how dare you draw an association between between lower the lower brackets no. of the Neverner Tournament and the Europeans. They're going to take offense. Th that's not true in any way. You're absolutely right. What? <laughs> well, that's That was the other cool part of it, where early on in the early rounds, uh, you were purposely kind of there was like an additional little tiebreaker that was tying us to certain time zones. So we were kind of playing people within two to three time zones. But as the tournament went on, that... Flexibility went away. Yeah, exactly. So then suddenly I was playing people at the bottom of the bracket and independent of what time zones we were in. So what did you face in the tournament? Tell me what... Tell me, uh, tell me, tell me how your experience, uh, your games went. I can't remember. I, I wish I'd taken notes, but I played in round one, the person that is ranked number one in Swiss, and they were running Kit and Personal Evolution, mm. which uh, Kit just, uh, I think they got some really good pulls. When you're running Anemone and Sisenton, it's pretty easy to break with, any code gatebreaker. So unless you started getting servers in depth, a lot of your century ice were kits kind of just, you know, getting in and not caring about it. So that was sort of a pretty quick game. I could I never got a flower serpent scored. I actually don't think I scored a flower serpent first the entire tournament, which sort of was indicative of how wide it was really bad. I mean that deck really needs that too. Yes. So just some terrible luck. And then the personal evolution deck even though I got a buffer driver out early, uh, they had an amazing play where their deck had Trick of Light. And they installed Advanced to Card, and I flipped, you know, I, I symbol chipped out the clot uh, to stop them from scoring what I thought was an agenda. But actually, it was an Urtica Cypher that they then advanced a second time, like <laughs> doing the good old, like. You got played. Oh, I, I don't know what that is. So I plowed into an Urtica Cypher, and then I went into the head, uh, and then I hit a Sting, and then I died. So it was just like insult to injury. Like, what was I thinking? My deck was running out, I think, even with a buffer driver. Also, they had an amazing play where they had done Anemone, Anemone on 
R&D. So when I Hushuked, I that's minus one card. Then they uh-huh. hit me with two anemones that I could break, but I lose my remaining four cards. I see, and, and then you can't steal. I can't steal. Exactly. Because <laughs> of personal evolution. Yep. So that was like another where I was just like, oh. And that was kind of how they Interesting. Came. But in rounds two or three, again, it's it's been a month, over a month. Some criminals, which I ran into a Ken deck, and that just, I could never get a scoring remote up safe. Uh, I never, I either drew the agendas too early or drew the defensive tools and not the agendas and never could really get off the ground. Um, but later, I did get a few kills with a deck that wasn't supposed to be killing our Hyopu deck. And I almost, I had a, almost a complete image kill. I almost did it. Oh, wow. I was playing Azaya, I think it's Slapdash, and they were, they kind of had me locked either in the remote or RD, but I sort of just committed then to be like, I have to kill them. There, it was like the point where I, was, I knew I could score, but I could Anawedic to like kill his Boobarangs, and then I could do, do a few other things. So I just milled him down to two cards. I knew one of them was the class act, and I suspected the other card was a legwork. But I didn't know for sure, just like looking at their entire deck list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, they had no influence remaining, so I, or maybe they had one influence remaining. I couldn't remember exactly. But I kept seeing the class act, you know, the Hyopu ability. The scry ability. Yeah, the scry ability. And I, I just said, okay, I'm just going to do it. And then I guess class act and I hit his legwork so that I couldn't kill Classic. him. Classic. And then the other line I had was put an anemone on r&d and that i could kill him but couldn't do it in one turn so that was a lot of fun other than that that those were kind of the highlights for me was the almost complete image kill what about you tell me about your tournament how'd it go so um i was playing the same corp deck as you i think we just took a a hyobu deck called it hyobu no breaks um so it has two digital rights management to try to just score out a flower sermon hopefully um, as soon as possible yep. with either, um, precog manifold or an anoedic or just, uh, you know, a piece of ice or whatever. And then I decided it would be fun to swap out, uh, one of the Hansei reviews for a complete image, just in case, like I was just sitting in that, you know, that hail Mary play in the super late game. I didn't get any complete image kills. Uh, I, I mean the, the complete image actually does like work as like a finisher with a couple cards because the deck has Engrams and Seistenton and other stuff. And so I faced a lot of Zaya. I think mm-hmm. almost every deck I played was was criminal. Ugh, it's oh, been wow. so long. Um, and a lot of them are running deep dive. And uh, it, I definitely lost a couple early games to deep dive because I wasn't. I didn't really know how to like play around it properly. I was like rushing the remote and that's just kind of like handing them the win if they have deep dive. Like I really underestimated how influential deep dive was going to like alter the meta. Um, Like it was basically like, are you a corp who's just trying to like rush behind two pieces of ice? Like you lose. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to find your vulnerability on it. So that's actually... A really big liability if they have deep dive in this deck. It you is. Really bad three. It is. You, yeah. And it actually lost me two games. <laughs> oh wow. 
because of it. So I did actually score a flower sermon a number of times. Um, and I think maybe I made the mistake of being a little too aggressive with it and not just like pacing myself. Cause I was like, no breaks. I've got to score all my agendas super fast. Yeah. And that's that like, especially against the deck, like th- there was a style of deck that was doing really well against me where they basically just got tons of money really fast. They went through their whole deck as quickly as possible uh, drew all their pieces and then they just, you know, went off of deep dive. They don't need to have a long-term plan. And they were able to basically like bust remotes really well early as well as basically guarantee access to um, uh, centrals or whatever to, to finish out the game. So, so that's pretty good. I did have one game against, I think it was Super Stranger and it was really, really close. He was running a Ken deck with we're allowed to talk about this, right? Yeah, it's it's pu- the deck. It's public, public information. Deck. Okay, great. Okay, um, so he was running a Ken deck with Mayfly and Deep Dive, three Deep Dives. So he's just like running like all in on Deep Dive, which yeah. is really funny. Wow. Um, and I and he had the money, and I uh, I think I had like gotten him with like a snare or something like that, and then um, and then he's like, I'm just gonna like roll in on this, and I had been scrying his hand with the Kyobu ability over and over again. And then um, I knew he had a deep dive in hand plus three other cards and he hit a Seistenton. So he runs HQ. Oh, wow. He runs a- he runs Archives. He runs R&D. He spent all of his money on the Engram. He runs HQ. Iris Seistenton. The Seistenton fires. The Seistenton hit. I call event because I know he has deep dive in hand. I hit like class act, his console, and a program. They have deep deep dive. Oh no! He has deep dive in hand, so I miss the deep dive, and then he gets into my hand. I have a snare and agenda, three other cards. He hits the agenda, <laughs> and then he plays deep dive and hits a vulnerability on it for it five wins. points in in one turn. And wow. I was like, okay, so that was that was kind of a nail biter. Uh, and then um, he actually swept me. Uh, my other game with him, uh, he was playing Near Earth Hub, and I was playing Zaya. And my Zaya deck that I, I copied from Ryan Band Twins, it was his Brussels tournament uh, deck with oh, cool. um, Conduit Zaya. And that was that did really well, even though I had never played it before. <laughs> and in my game against him, I was doing really, really well against his Near Earth Hub deck, and I had scored like two agendas or something like that. And then I just like bravado his HQ and I hit a snare. And I was like, what? And you died. You <laughs> what? died the snare? There's a snare in this deck? Oh, I didn't, oh. I didn't know that. <laughs> Which was pretty funny. So he's like, classic snare at EH. And I was like, wow. So that was pretty funny. That completely caught me by surprise, which was great. That's my favorite type of snare, uh, ultimately. So, um, and then the Corp decks where I faced a lot of, uh, a lot of HB is what it was. Not really surprising, actually. It was really fun. Uh, and then I, uh, my last round, my opponent actually agreed, because uh, we were at table nine, so we agreed to do a 2-4-1. So we agree to play one game, you roll for who plays what faction, and then um, basically the idea is, is that both players agree to um, kind of like concede your second game to the other person because if you split, neither of you are going to make it to the cut. So the idea is, is we'll play one game and then we'll agree to give both wins to that person because that person might have a chance to get to the cut, which I made it up to 13th, which is great. So I had a lot of fun. Uh, I am ready to 
switch decks now. <laughs> yes, just play something different. Yeah. Well, before we move on from Ashes to Ashes, we should actually take a little bit of a deeper look on uh, the top eight deck lists because they're public information now. Everyone's going to be able to know what their opponent's deck is going to be. So the game kind of changes, like the surprise snare that Nathan you ran into isn't a surprise anymore. You know they're there. Did you want to look at the uh, rudder decks uh, or the corp decks? The rudder decks, there's a lot of uh, similar decks. So that one will be easier to talk about first if you want to take a take a peek at that first. Actually, I was hoping we could look at the corp decks first. Oh, sure. Let's do that first. So the I, I uh, can't pronounce their name. A-S-Q-W-A-S-Q-W. Uh, yes, yes. Uh they played Jiteki Personal Evolution. This was the deck I played at the beginning. So they're they're seed one right now. Yes. And that's the person you played in the first game. Which is actually really similar to a deck that Andre of the Metropol Grid featured in their most recent episode in the towards the end of June. But it's a trick of light deck. Uh, it just got a lot of ways to kill you. So it's got Ronins. This deck has Ronins. It's got Urtica Ciphers to kind of be really great um unknowns so you install advance advance is it an agenda is it a trap and you could use those as a battery they also are running some advanceable ice they i think they have one of the wayland dice in here. ice wall they have ice walls they have tons of ice walls so they have three ice walls so you have like a few different ways to to build up so they just have ice wall anemone and magnet oh two palisades yes and then they have one enigma so yep, not like a, that's like twelve ice or something. Oh, yeah, and Engram. Oh, yeah. well, that's like fifteen then. But Engram is Engram is fantastic for kill decks. Oh, oh, exactly. And, and they are the thing I thought that was really interesting is they were running three vulnerability audits. So you know that's a lot of points, but I think that's a way that they're compensating for so they're not as dense with the agendas. Okay. Yeah. That's and that's always been like a thing about personal evolution is. The only way that they can afford to have a bunch of, a lot of agendas is they got to throw a couple big ones in there. And there actually are no three-point Jiteki agendas, so they then shopped for them by spending influence points. Because in Ashes, this is the only, this is the neutral 4-3. It has to be on the board. You can't trick it out with Trick so you of can't, Light. You can't, even though the deck has Trick of Light, you can't install double Trick of Light, score it. Yeah, but you can kind of you can kind of just like I mean you have a lot of ways to score it still. Which... And you could just the other thing about stings are that that's a, a kill condition for you. It's almost like a neurospike, just a way to get people to like if you went down to one, if you survive a run, you steal agenda, you have one card. If they could trick of light out a sting, you're gonna lose base. It's always gonna be two. Does it do two or three? So stings a little complicated, but. It gets stronger if there are more copies in your opponent's score area. does more uh-huh. net damage. Uh, but it's always going to do two damage because it's personal evolution and Stig will always at least do one damage. So it can get up to four damage if your opponent has two Stigs and you score the third, or vice versa, and then personal evolution. I see. Interesting. Okay. Okay, cool. Ronin is really good with Anemone. You know, if, if they oh. run... And it's installed advanced on the board, uh, double advanced, and they run, let's say, your hand, and they hit it in ebony, they, you lose cards, you steal a card, then they, they can just advance, advance, 
trigger the rodent to kill you. So, so the anemone does two, and then the agenda steel does one, and the rodent does three. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if there's even more from the agenda steel, uh, then, you know, like it's a sting or something like that. Let's say the sting does two. So anemone does two or three sting. The agenda steel does two. Um, and then your Ronin does three. I mean, that's seven damage. So even if you overdraw, you needed to start your turn with five or whatever. And, you know, the other thing is that with snare, there are three snares in the deck. So that's another, like, it's really dangerous to do multi-access too. So the, you kind of have to slow down. Like if you're doing a deep dive run and you smack into a snare, you might lose deep dive. So one thing that you kind of alluded to way back when was you said, Incidental damage is really good against deep dive. That's why you am including it in Emony in so many decks is because you are just more likely to just knock that deep dive out of their hand because they have to make runs to use the deep dive. Yes. And it has to survive all three runs. Um, and that's like personal evolution just gets that for free, right? And I also think that that deck is really good against the type of deep dive decks that we were seeing, which were basically just like gas deep dive. They were running event econ, really very few long-term like power cards they were just like basically drawing and playing through their whole deck as fast as possible get a ton of money and then just get a couple deep dives in and win off of that and so since they they need the the tempo of those cards you know like you 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 spend a click draw sure gamble and then you spend a click to play that's two clicks for four credits which is not amazing but good but like, let's say, you know, like one of your sure gambles gets knocked out. So now you've got to spend another click to draw another one. And that's three clicks now. And now it's suddenly not so good anymore. You can really just kind of grind their tempo down because they're spending all this time, like just drawing cards. And so I feel like PE is really good against that style of runner uh, right now. So that's kind of, I didn't think about that until very recently. So that's very funny that someone thought of that five weeks ago. Or six weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> no, and, and the other thing about this deck is that you're absolutely right. Like, if you're all bursty cod, or you you're doing runs to try to get the extra trigger, you're playing your run events because of um, Swift. That's another reason why you know they need to play an event. They're going down a life point. Exactly right, because they rely on inside job or whatever a lot of the time to trigger the deep dive. I see I, I see them comboing a lot, like Bravado, get the money from Bravado, make another run. That was what kind of made me realize. I'm like, oh, I should, man, if they had a snare, they're going to die or almost die, which is why I started running Complete Image, you know, as I was like, oh, well, they get it, like they hit a snare and then they get an agenda off the deep dive and then I can kill them. But okay, so there, and so this deck actually doesn't have House of Knives. I know, that's the other interesting thing. They're running actually a lot of 3-2. So they, they have Yagi Uda. Three Project Yagi Uda's at a longevity serum. So it seems like their deck is like, hey, I have ways to score out with the Trick of Light. Yeah. So maybe that's forcing you to run advanced things or run check my remotes and hopefully take more net damage or incidental damage. I have like maybe maybe they're keeping Stig in hand to then trick it out to hopefully kill you with Trick of Light. Yeah, that's pretty good. So we have another we have another personal evolution deck by Marbles in the top eight that I figured we could talk about here at the same time. Although this one is more like um, more like the one that you played at the last tournament. It's like a um, a Prana Condenser PE deck with Archers and Gold Farmer. And so that's the fun thing. Their their deck is all almost all one point agendas, other than Project Yagi Guda and Longevity Serum. False lead, House of Knives, 
Yagiuta Sting longevity. They are hoping you are stealing lots of wood pointers so the game goes log to build up the the prana condenser counters. And then they're going to try to force you to run this labyrinth of a remote that's probably archers and then an anawedic so this is one of those decks where you what light the fire to try to crack that remote to get in because you only can really afford one run but if they have a house of knives scored suddenly you might almost die and the thing is is if the run ends you I mean you hit an anemone they did a house of knives Now, the Prana Condenser that was at three that you were trying to kill before it got too strong suddenly now can kill you because it's either at five or, you know, you you took the damage or whatever. So that's a really cool deck. I really like the Prana Condenser PE decks. I think that's that's really fun and like a totally different flavor of PE too, which is really cool. And it doesn't have money problems. So I think that's what the uh, other PE deck is going to run into is you might be clicking for credits the other deck has to run predictive planogram to kind of bounce back from zero credits to threaten snares again. Uh-huh. Uh, play predictives yeah. to get three. This deck is sort of like, cool, I've got 20 credits. Thanks for stealing all these one-pointers. Stig is also really good with product condenser because it counts as two separate pieces of net damage. So that Whoa. gives you two tokens or six, six money. Six money? Oh my yes. gosh. So that's... That stings are really strong, and like you said before, House of Dives is great. If you're not paying attention, you know, you're set doing a deep dive, and they're like, uh, well, you are now at three. <laughs> I think it was on two counters, now it's at five. If you deep dive me, you're dying. So that that's some interesting, another way to counter deep dive is they have to be really cognizant of where your product condenser is at. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think there are three precision design decks. Okay, um, so we, uh, yep, three precision designs, Anoedics in, so they're Cobra Bubbles, Deer, and Sasha. Yes, and it looks like the first two for two and three are sort of similar. I would say like the Never Advanced style, they've all got Seabliss. Um Fully operational is uh, in Cobra Bubbles deck. So maybe they're making a few more remotes or just even one remote to just kind of keep funding their their more expensive. I mean, it's a decent tempo card. You yes. you you pay, you, you, you get two cards and a credit. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Is that right? You choose. So uh, you pay one and you get for every... You could get you, four cards? Yes, you could get four oh cards. Oh, my gosh. That's really because good. You, yeah, you get two money or two cards, uh, and then for every remote that has a card inside and an ice protecting it, you then get to trigger the ability again. I see. Um, so for these these HB decks, talking about like uh, like taxing decks, I, I've had a lot of like just thought because I was playing an Earth Station deck. I'm like, how do like you tax runners like nowadays? Because it's just like I don't I don't really know and. Um, like Bran has been a really big one uh, where you're like, this is an ice that does tax runners. It's very expensive to get. And also Ansel. Um, and the thing I'm noticing, I'm seeing in decks that are running Ansel is they're also running uh, Drafters because Drafters are already a good card. But the idea is, is that a lot of people are running Bugalter or like After Image. And so... Um, it, by having lots of sentries, uh, you kind of nullify the effect of their sentry breaker. 
uh, and make it still taxing. So that's kind of interesting to see that happening. Although, um, although Deer's deck seems to have uh, a totally different. He's well, he's still running Ansel and Bran and Drafter, but then um, and Grimgold Farmer and Magnet. Yeah, and and, and that deck, etching. Yeah, the the nano etching. I I actually really like it. And nano etching and tranquility home grid is very good. You know, you install. You're you're next to no credits, and you've got a tranquility home grid in that server, and you install the nano etching. You get two money. You res it and use it. You get two more money, so you've sort of bounced back at a turn. Oh wow, yeah, tranquility is so good. Yeah, and that's both these decks are running tranquility and their precision design. So seamless sure. is gonna come back, and once you get that remote, they have to start checking things in it. Yeah, that's, that's really solid. Problem. That's really solid. Um, so the third one is a little different, though. Wow. Jeez, yes. yes. look at that. Yeah. Lethia, Nisei, Ganked, Conjun. Uh, okay. Next, acti- next activation command, tier. So they're, like, doing, like, the tier ganked, basically. Which is very mean, but this one looks more of, like, it's trying to kill you, not... It has the tier, it has one copy of Ansel, but it's going all in on the Ravadas to like copy tier. I mean, I vastly prefer tier ganked to ganked Ravana. I think, I'm sorry, not Ravana. I mean, ganked Ansel. I think ganked Ansel is disgusting and I hate seeing it every time and it's, and it's shameful. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> so if uh, if you're if you're doing it the old the old fashioned way, I'm into that. I would I would be proud to die to a tear ganked. <laughs> yeah. uh, and go. The other thing was deer. Uh, the one of the decks we previously talked about. It's more of the traditional sc- scoring plan, but it also has next activation command as well. Oh, so sure. both of those cards, uh, next activation is very good because. They can't, you can't click through Bioroids and it nullifies cards like Botulus and uh, Boomerang because you have to use a card that has the Icebreaker text on it. Okay, sure. Wow. And let's say you don't have a Seabliss or you already have a Seabliss, you could recur the next activation command with your Precision Design ID and suddenly... You're like, well, I'm just going to score this other agenda. You could get it before. Boom, play this, install advance. And if you've got Tranquility, you've got money. So very strong decks, susceptible to light the fire, but very powerful. Yeah, everyone's running Skunk Void still, which is reasonable. Yep. We were we were worried that was going to get destroyed, but like, like you discovered, like the runner has to draw the light the fire, so... You get to you get to put a lot of pressure on in that in that meantime. I do think that you know maybe a month into the tournament, we did see some people had light the fire. You were you had a one off light the fire, mm-hmm. um, but again, you, like you said, you have to find if you're only running one and they can build the Doom remote, they're gonna win on the remote. You have to go after Central, so that's why sneaky cards like Gold Farber or Egrim Flush are really strong includes in Deer's deck, where that's a cheap ice that you could run their centrals and it's going to tax your, your icebreakers a lot. Sure. So you played Super Stranger. Let's skip the Wayland for a second. Is there anything special about their deck or are they just mainly just jamming out assets? Wow, jeez. It's, it's really interesting. It's just like, uh, it's, it's NEH. It's got one Vladdy grid. 
It's got a lot of really weird stuff in here. A Ronin. Urtica Cypher. One Ronin. Wow. Three Urticas. One Vladdy Grid. Three Bologna. Beal. It's got Sand Sands. It's got Gold Farmers. Superconducting Hub. Tiered Subscription. Your favorite card. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's just like money, not a lot of ice. In fact, it's just got what? Three white space. Toll booths. Oh, toll booths. 203 gold farmers. Yeah, okay. So still only, what, eight ice? So it's basically trying to tax you with the sand sands, the Vladdy grids, and it's also trying to bluff out uh, sneaky kills with urticas and snares, which is great. It's, it's just like a tempo, it's like a tempo NBN kind of thing. I'm a huge fan of just like urticas in any deck. <laughs> <laughs> but um the idea is, is you can you can throw uh you can throw an urtica on your vladdy grid and then instead of advancing the urtica as a failed trap if they don't run it you advance the vladdy grid and then if they run it you can move the counters over and fire your urtica and if they don't run it you can just keep the counters trash your urtica and score an agenda off of it oh that's really strong so that's pretty cool um, I really, I really like that. That's fun. Superconducting hub. Oh man, I love that agenda. Especially if they get a big hand, it might be hard to find, you know, once you have like a seven or, or nine <laughs> hand size, it's like, Hey, I've got some agendas in here, but your legwork might not hit them. <laughs> it makes your agenda so much safer. And then, uh, does it have our favorite card in it? Uh, no need. I mean... I feel like the value of Daily Business Show, I mean, it's a great card. And obviously, you know, NEH has ran it many, many times in the past. Like, you know, when you're just like drawing tons of cards, I don't know if you need to filter your cards so much. And it has must trash upgrades like Vladdy Grid and Sand Sand, forcing them to have to run those places and kill them after you've you've maybe scored an agenda with it. Yeah. And it's not trying to like tax out the runner. It's not like, oh, you're a late game runner deck, so I need to find all of my ice first. Like it's like, no, I'm just gonna play all my cards as I get them, you know. It's it doesn't change my game plan at all. <laughs> uh, I like that. Did you want to check out the Wayland decks? There's two Waylands, the fourth and seventh ranked uh players. OF fifteen fifteen and cold lava are both running built-to-last decks, and they're both running Azef is... Okay, all right, let's talk about Cold Lavas. This is really cool, so... Oh, yeah, they've got a very different take on the deck. We've got uh, Azef Hostel SDS. Um, okay, great. Uh, and then we've got Malpert Data Vault, uh, which is the upgrade that lets you search for a card when you score an agenda, which mm -hmm. is awesome. Like, reasonably taxing Ice, Aket, Pharos, Afshar... Portum, Archer, Winchester, really cool. Also, wall to wall, really interesting. And then um, two clearinghouse and two reversed accounts, and then three neurospikes. So it looks like it's doing the neurospike Azef combo with no fast advance cards. I think this is more of an install advance advance deck where is it an SDS, is it a clearinghouse, is it a reversed? And then if you guess wrong, you know, or, or run it and have to trash it, it's, it's sort I mean, of... There, it doesn't punish it. you for running. It punishes you for not running. Yes. Well, that has Kiambe. So you, maybe you maybe this deck is making one remote that's constantly I install advance advancing inside it. You have to run it and check it. And then it's, is it the... SDS this time is it is it the ASF what is it and then you've got an archer on that remote too 
backed up by the Kiambe. So what's interesting is it has the only econ cards it has is three hedge funds and three government subsidies. So you're like mega relying on your built to last money, which works. I mean, you know, install advance advance, right? You walk away with what the same amount of credits as you had, right? Yeah. And reverse accounts is really strong too. Because oh, you got hostels too. I can't forget about that. But this one is not very much. It's more of like a, you have to check the remote. Because if you get hit by reversed accounts, hey, that's that could be really bad. Yeah. Let's check out the other Wayland too, so we don't take up too much time. This one looks more like the sort of the built-to-last deck we all were expecting to come in with the Trick of Lights. So it's a much more aggressive scoring. Okay. Line. Yeah. Still has still has Malapert three wall to wall. I'm really surprised to see so many people playing wall to wall. That's that's super interesting. I think it's a really cheap to res and really easy to you know advance it once or twice to to get the tokens you need. Plus with Kabe, you could always just have it just getting tokens. So I think it makes sense. Three Kabe, yeah. So it's usually the Kabe's to kind of fortify uh, and then hoping uh, probably to try to score out and hoping you don't have a clot, or maybe it has to just build one remote. And it's just and it's just fast advancing. Three Azef, three Atlas, one above the law. So that's seven, three, two agendas, and then a Cyberdex sandbox and two hostels. Yeah, so only the Cyberdex is a, a card you could normally uh, wow. one turn. Well, that's awesome. And two subliminals, all right, sure. And Data Vault, everyone's running Data Vault. What a card. Very different where Cold Lava's version is trying to kill you. This version is just trying to find more Trick of Lights, probably. Sure. Rock on. Well, that's like a pretty diverse spread of Corp decks. I mean, three PD, that's probably, that's actually kind of less than I expected, I guess. And then two Wayland Built to Last, two Jinteki Personal Evolution. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, hey, every every faction is represented at least once. So that's that's pretty nice. And I really like it. I think it uh, it kind of highlights some different takes of the meta. So that's great. Well, I think I think what's also kind of funny is I, I feel like probably the corpse are responding to the runner meta more than the other way around. Interesting. Because the, the, yeah. the I feel like the runners got the the more powerful cards. I mean, I know Azef is a really actually, I mean, they're all really good, right? Anemone's mm-hmm. really good. Azef is really good. Vladisi Bierska is really good, but uh, it's just like, cool. The runner's like, cool, we got deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got? The corpse are like, let me just re-gear my entire deck pacing to account for that. Or just play, or play personal evolution. That's also, that's also a good strategy. Or I'm just playing precision design because it's so dang good. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So that's awesome. That's super great for the corpse. Let's look at the runner decks. Okay, six Hoshikos. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of Hoshikos. There are a few different variants, though. All right. Well, that's exciting. It's just showing you how strong Hoshiko is, I think. It's sort of probably the stronger runner. She's really good. All right. So we already took a bunch of time. So let's, like, give me, give me, kind, of the, give me kind of the different scoops we've got. Well... How about we talk about the two decks that aren't Hoshiko first, because we could spend a little bit more time, and then we could go through the flavors of the Hoshiko. All right, all right, let's do that first. So we've got uh, a kit deck in the first place, and then Super Strangers Ken deck, which I already talked about a little bit. The the kit deck is really fascinating. It 
is not running deep dive or Hushuk, it's all in on just really aggro. So it's going Maker's Eye, three jailbreaks. It's got two Docklets pass and two Anakam. Anakam. And it also, for it's kind of rounding out its influence with Wildcat Strikes. So just all draw, all money, um, and lots of pressure. So it's just tried to win as fast as possible and, and abuse Kit's uh, ability to make things code gates. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. So aggro, aggro shaper. That's kind of, it's kind of like what Kit was always built for, but like the standard meta never really allowed her to do it. This deck also is running the two tools to help you get through the deck later when they start building up there. Like, you know, they get a code gate on the outside. The inner ice can then work, but they are running Pelagis and Egrets make the inner ice code gates so they could just rely on their Gordian blade to get in. Is Egret countered by Magnet? It is. Okay. And it has boomerangs too. Yes. So this, this deck has pressure. Um, but the great thing about Gordian is if you got the Rezekis and Wildcat Strikes and all money, like creative commissions, and you're going to be able to afford to boost that Gordian up really high and then just break a bunch of ice in a row and get it. Oh my gosh. This, it's only Icebreaker is... It is the Gordian. Yeah. That's <laughs> so cool. And I think there's no Sybil chips. So they are just all in on just, I've got three Gordians, and then I've got some tools to make it work, and I'm just going to pound your centrals. You're going to show me the remotes. Oh my gosh. Uh, or, sorry, show me show me your agendas, and then I'm going to crack the remote, hopefully, if I have to. And then you've got for strangers Ken deck, which is ju- it's it's got three boomerang, three mayfly, two marjana, and that's that's what it has for icebreakers. Three inside job, uh, and three and two sneak door. So yeah, the that's... sneak door is big. I think for that it's all of its influences: three deep dives and two buffer drivers. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. So it's just like it's the same sort of deal. It's like I don't have like I don't I don't need. All the icebreakers. I just need... I don't need icebreakers. I just need to get in. <laughs> look, exactly. Look, I don't I don't need an invitation. I just need to get inside. <laughs> it's also got a lucky charm to kind of help. I, I That's oh. probably... It's like I could get into the PD's remote once. You also have Tread Lightly. So later in the game, you've just ignored per, uh, Precision Design's remote. You sneak door to turn on your lucky charm, and then you just tread lightly the remote. You're like, I'm getting in. You can't stop me from hopefully stealing this agenda. This yeah, time. tread lightly. What a card. That also is another run event that'll trigger Swift, which sure. is sometimes all you need. Wow, that is awesome. Always have it. Oh, and always have a backup plan. Yeah. Which is a different, which is actually going to help because let's say they, you bow, even one ice you could get through. So you, you bounce off the ice, you run again, you get by it, whatever stopped you. So it's got some sneaky ways to get into some servers it might not be able to because you know you only have the Mayfly and the Marjan. Yeah. Well, and also if so, I actually asked them about this, and if it's like an Anaweedic that ends the run, they technically get to bypass the last ice. Yeah, that's that's such a cool little trick. So you like you can either boomerang a single ice server, always have a backup plan, get around in a week, or you know even just save money. Basically, you know if they have a big remote and it's like a brand or something on the inside or, or anything really, you know it's just like cool. Well, I paid for it once, I'm not paying for it a second time. Wow, yeah, that's pretty interesting. And because it's a sec a, a separate run though, your Mayfly would die, right? Uh, 
Yes. Okay. Interesting. When that run ends, if it was unsuccessful, you may run that server again. I think it's I think it's important to consider that it is it is technically also like if you run it in a weeding server with your last click, you get two runs for a single click. That's true. That's gonna put a lot of pressure where they didn't think they'd have to stop you twice. Yeah, interesting. That's super cool. That's super spicy. And this is not running Rizeki, so it, it's just all in on the uh, the event econ, Dirty Laundry, Bravado. Ken. Sure gamble, pretty much. Dirty, wow. la- Dirty Laundry daily casts. Oh, and Ken. I forget. Ken is econ. Ken is econ. Kind of like Hoshiko. There's a lot of Hoshikos. So six. the six other decks are Hoshikos. Do you want to start us off and just sort of... Um, Maybe start us off with the first variety that... Uh, it's probably unfair for us to, like, group all of these in, but um, but we've spent, so, <laughs> we've spent so long talking. We should really just do the... Uh, we should do the, the fine notes and the, and the high levels. Well, I, I think the there's sort of... One of the varieties is you're running after image, is your main century breaker, and as a bypass tool. And sure. You are using well, Trickster Taka. With Trickster Taka, yeah. And Leech. So that's Cobra Bubbles as Hoshiko. Um, so you've got Devil Charms as like an emergency, uh, and a lot of these decks are running Devil Charm and Chisel to like kill important ice or even low strength ice, like annoying ice, like Gold Farmer would be a great yeah. ice to chisel away. Yeah. Um, uh, another one would be uh, Afshar. The- oh, right. Afshar is good. Uh, yeah. So then the cool thing about the Devil Charm is obviously you want to use it with Chisel, but if you have to, you can use it with your after image too, which is usually better than like dying. Or hitting that archer that surprised you. Right. That would probably be the best use. Um, you all, And this one is also running Leech, which is another way that uh, after image can then... Because after image breaks multiple century subroutines, I think two for one credit. So if you could bring a drafter from three to two without having to spend your Trickster Taka credits, you could break a drafter for one, which yep. is very strong with Leech tokens. Yep, that's true. Um, and it looks like... I think nearly every deck is running Sybil uh, chips. Yeah, I mean Sybil chip is just Sybil chip is just so freaking good, right? Yeah, it's very strong. Um, I'm seeing some light the fires in nearly everyone's deck, at least one or two. And it looks like some of the other ones, uh, like Deers, is uh, probably what you would say is the more traditional Hoshiko. So it's still running the Chisel Charm, but it's got the more traditional breakers like the Cleaver. What's its Century Breaker? Carmen. Oh, this one's importing Carbon. So like as a cheap Bugalter alternative. Yeah. And then it, and then it can run uh, one copy of SMC and two Simul Chips and two Boomerangs. That's, SMC is going to help you find your programs to build up a little quicker. And then, uh, yeah, and then three overclocks so that you can either use those with your SMC or you can use them to like bust a main Garm remote or something. And moving on, it looks like Cold Lava, they spent some of their influence to accelerate themselves with Q-Loop, which is fun if you're running... Wow. Yeah. That's really fun. So it's like kind of like gotcha pwned light. You know, you could actually got you could use Prognostic Q-Loop, install a gotcha pod, or you could install a surprise devil charm. They weren't expecting trashing cards and things like that. Also boomerangs in that one, yeah. And this one's running Odor, though, so you want to get all your virtuals out. Oh, I see. Same thing. Cheap breaks. Same thing. We've got Boomerang, Simul Chip, Kiko. Uh, Kiko's amazing with Hoshiko. And then uh, Star- one Stargate. One Stargate, one Stargate. Everyone's running one Stargate. I think that's a really good, just even 
if you find it late, it's a great finisher or pressure to like control the end of the game. Once you have your super rig built up, you just start hammering R&D, you control their draws, and if they don't have an agenda in hand wow. to win, so they're going to win. All five of them are running one Stargate, and then um, OF1515 is running a conduit instead. <laughs> oh, hey, that's also really good. Like, Imagine being an Anarch, and you're like, you have a really good R&D card, and you're like, I'll pass. I'm taking, I'm taking medium back. <laughs> I that's actually awesome. think... That's a great include because if you're using the chisel charm sort of trick, you can... No, they're not even running... Uh, I don't see no chisel charm. chisel charm. So they're just really leveraging super cheap uh, breaks with uh, Leech. And Botulus. To like help make their runs. And, and, use, and use Imp to get extra accesses. Yeah. And then you're just hammering R&D with your conduit hopefully later. That's wow, pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it looks like uh, Sasha has uh, their Odor. Um, we've got a Memory Diamond, which is fun. One Docklands, which is great. Stargate, Leech, Kiko, Boomerang, Buzzsaw, One Light the Fire, Wildcat. And they're they're repping the Fencer Fuego. Oh, nobody likes him. I don't even like him. You know what? I say that, and then I get punished so hard. Because Fencer Fuedo, unlike the rest of the companions, doesn't you can just lose a credit to keep putting money on it. So sometimes when you've got the Fencer Fuedo with like eight money on it and they just run R and D, they're like, oh, "I'll just trash this card. I'll steal your Bologna and not spend actual money." It has its moments. Wow! Wow! Okay. Wait a minute. Hold the phone. This is Steve from the future. Interrupting because I just realized while I was editing that we forgot to mention one of the Hoshiko decks in our excitement over Conduit. That was the sixth place seed, Marbles. Her deck featured Botulus, just like OF1515. Both their decks also had cookbooks as well to give their viruses extra punch. Marbles' deck is probably what you'd consider more of a traditional virus soup version, but it does have a copy of all the other breakers. Anyways, sorry we missed you on our first pass. Best of luck. So... I guess overall, looking at this, the rudder field, most of the field came to the same conclusion. Hoshiko is the strongest rudder. It's going to provide me the best way to challenge these decks. That's crazy because that's not that's not what I would expect. Like I, I definitely felt like a crim deep dive, but maybe that was just because I wasn't at the top. <laughs> so that was that went longer than we expected, but it was a lot of fun to look at this. Um, Ashes to Ashes was great i think i had a lot of fun i was helping judge so that was uh great to kind of watch games as a judge i had a had to even make a call even make a ruling once so whoa yeah super minor and it was all all fixed yeah most of my games um i mean i'm pretty agreeable so maybe it's just me but most of my games like if anybody ever like you know made a mistake it was something that was very like yeah no problem like you meant to run with red team i get it it's not a big deal so we didn't we didn't really have a lot of I didn't really have any judge calls um, except for I think there was one card that I like misunderstood how it worked I don't remember what it was oh. now oh I did have one instance where um, the uh, buffer driver triggered on Engram flush and I got to trigger the Engram trash one card trash another and then they were like 
oh, I can't protect the second card with buffer because it only triggers on the first instance of damage, and the card is two different instances of damage. Yes. Um, so that was kind of interesting, and I actually didn't even realize it. I just accidentally chose Deep Dive before Harmony AR Therapy, oh, which no. uh, is obviously amazing, right? <laughs> but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that that's how that interaction works either. So oh, um, interesting. So that was that was interesting. So yeah, it was it was uh, we didn't really have a lot of judge calls in any of our games either, which was great. That's good, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the top eight plays out. We hopefully have a champion of Ashes to Ashes crowd really soon. Uh, really big shout out to the GLC judge team um, and uh, Shruthless for who has been one of the main organizers and. Um, They've everyone. Thank you so much for helping run this, and everyone who participated. So absolutely, what is super super wonderful, and uh, and thanks everyone so much for all of your um, energy putting that together. It's definitely a lot of work making something like that come together. Yeah, and I and I do think there have been a lot of lessons learned for the greed level cleared server and Nisei too. And so I'm hoping that we have some more of these asynchronous events, especially when you could have like a little lower stakes stuff like, hey, you could win a pack if you win. You're not actually the world champion. So I'm hoping that this this felt not as intense like you're pointing out. Like we could make kind of, we could sort out our issues if something came up instead of having to... Um, I'll judge on everything. Yeah, yeah. sure. Did feel as as strict or intense. So, okay. So, uh, so we're 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 going very late here. So, there's just one more thing I wanted to mention before we signed off uh, the episode here, and it is um, we got the Midnight Sun announcement. Um, so it is planning on coming out on the 22nd of July. Is that right? I, I'm not sure if the actual release date is specifically there. They said the spoiler season is going to be really abridged, and it's going to go from July 11th to July 22nd. Got it. Be released. So end of July. Um, so during spoiler season, they're going to be passing out spoilers to all sorts of content creators, and we expect to possibly have something ourselves as well. So look forward to whenever mid-July. So tune back in. Hopefully we'll be able to maybe announce things or hopefully they'll maybe even put out a schedule that shows who's getting what day so that you can tune into like Andre or tune into some of the other podcasts or other streamers like you said, Grid. Anyway, yeah, really looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to getting a sneak peek of everything and coming out with maybe uh, our hot or cold takes, <laughs> whatever you want to think about it. They're going to be hot takes. Steven. Yeah, all right, awesome. We're we're good. we're it's we're gonna we're gonna make them hot, Stephen. That's what we're good at. I I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Well, anyway, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks again for listening. Thanks everybody. Bye.